0: Dear Media Original Podcast. Welcome to Wine Face, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way because wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles california it is beautiful los angeles california is beautiful day today we are in november we're here we are approaching thanksgiving i feel great i love life i am having the best time with my son sky my partner alex and i we just love raising him he's a little doodab and you know what this episode is honestly dedicated to him because Today, we're talking about a topic that is so near and dear to my heart. It professionally changed my entire life. It took wine, the subject that I'm an expert in, that I am passionate about, and sort of the truths and the big reveals within it cracked the subject wide open for me, exposed me to so many producers, and I'm really excited to share that with y'all. That's right, this week, Wine Face is doing natural wine 101. But listen, y'all, we need to make it a 101 2.0. Not to make it too complex, but okay, we're doing natural wine 101. But I don't want to trip and pretend like I haven't done a version of this episode before. Because you could dig back all the way back to wine face episode one many, many years ago. And I did a natural wine 101 because I was tired of people not really understanding what i was talking about when i was like you should care about what's in the bottle so Many years fast forward, I think it's like five years, we're doing a 2.0 because listen, wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone as I say, but it's also for understanding and it's about education. And the more you know, the more you're empowered, and especially with wine, you need to know what is in that bottle. So here's the scared straight moment, okay? There are so many different shady things, and I'm talking chemicals, and all kinds of bad stuff, but usually the worst one is highly concentrated sugar that can be added to your wine and you would never know it. Wine is an unregulated industry. And what I mean by that is there is no ingredient label on the back of any bottle of wine. You'll never see it. And if there is ingredients listed, it says like grapes, which isn't not true, but because of its unregulated nature as an industry and the lack of transparency within the rules of how wines need to be labeled, that means you're not going to know, hey, were these vines when they were growing, were they sprayed with super harsh chemicals, herbicides, pesticides? Were they then picked with some sort of crazy mechanized farming. And because of that, some of the grapes burst and fermentation started early. So you already have this insane imbalance in your wine. And it's not even in the tank yet. It's not even fermenting. Okay. But first of all, let's just back it up. Okay. Because I think the first thing we need to talk about is how do you define natural wine? Here's the messed up thing. There is no technical definition. There's no consensus on what is the definition of natural wine. It is to this day an undefined category. But as a member of the Somme community, sommelier, as someone who has worked in wine for over a decade, I have to say that we as a community have crowdsourced a definition that many of us use, and it's simply this. There's nothing added and there is nothing taken away. This is very vague in and of itself. Might beg you to lead with the next question, which would be what could be added and what the heck could be taken away? So in order to do Natural Wine 101, we first have to flip the script to help define natural wine you gotta start defining about what isn't natural wine and why do we even need to have this category in the first place. There are many wines out there in the world that listen y'all, you wanna stay very far away from. The reality is that wine starts as an agricultural product, which means that things are made on a varying sliding scale. So if you're trying to make a lot of something for not very much money, you're gonna lean into techniques of factory farming and mass production. And what does this mean? You wanna have as much yield, meaning you wanna produce as much potential grape juice as you can by utilizing some tricky farming techniques like using herbicides and pesticides to keep any sort of harmful critters at bay instead of using the harmony of the earth, which we'll get to in just a moment. So it starts with the vineyard. A lot of factory farming or mass production, it's manipulating the vine in the very beginning to get a subpar fruit that will then turn into wine. But it doesn't just end there because if you're growing fruit that isn't gonna be its optimal gemminess, it's not gonna have that twinkle in its little my little pony eye, you're gonna have to intervene when those grapes get into the cellar because there's gonna automatically be an imbalance of the sugars versus acidity that is inside that little cosmic little nugget of a grape. So let's fast forward to get into the cellar. If those things are already out of balance, Then someone who's making giant vats, and I'm literally, when I say a vat, I'm talking like the size of, oof, like a small building, you know, these huge, huge production on wine, you have to control every aspect of that wine making process. So it's really, you're taking a very natural thing, a grape, and you're putting it through a heavily processed thing called mass produced winemaking. It starts with crazy yeast being added to ignite fermentation, to then in order to balance what is most likely gonna be an imbalanced product because it doesn't have the right ripening or flavor profile in the actual grapes themselves and they were grown in harsh, stressful conditions, then you're gonna have to add and take away elements to in the end produce something that is somewhat palatable to the consumer. So what might those things be? Well. The biggest culprit is sugar that's added because a lot of times grapes are picked before they're at their optimal ripeness. So the winemaker might be fermenting grapes, and in the end, they get to a point where, you know what? the flavor's not right and so you have to manipulate it with different chemical interventions in order to get a product that is palatable to the consumer and most likely it's too acidic or it's too stringent and so highly concentrated sugar syrups are added some of these are not made from grapes some of them are like mega purple and it really takes wine down a dark and dangerous path. There's some chemicals that are likened to arsenic that are used to control what wine becomes because for some people, it's incredibly formulaic. There are places in Provence, and I'm not gonna name names, but there are places who use chemicals to make a wine lighter, essentially bleaching the rosé so that it has that more pale optimal color. There are red wines that instead of aging a red wine in a wood barrel to increase the smooth, soften those tannins and get a more luxurious feel, well, they just take a bunch of wood chips and put them into the vat of wine, let those hang out for a while, and then filter it off. Thus, getting that quote-unquote oak effect without actually having taken the time or care to put the wine into the proper place. I mean, the other scary shit is that a lot of wine isn't vegan. And I know all the wine at Helens is vegan. And part of the reason is that there are filtering agents such as shrimp shells and the stomach lining of certain animals that are used to clarify and suck imperfections out of wine. Let me just tell you one thing. Natural wine may not be perfect all the time. It may not always be good. In fact, not all natural wine is good. That's not how life works. Not every chef that uses organic produce is making a dope dish because they don't know how to cook. But one thing that you can be sure of is it's not going to have any of that stuff happening from the vineyard to the cellar. So it starts with organic farming. That's the baseline. But if you really want to dig into what that quote unquote definition will be, The winemaker's probably doing organic and practicing biodynamic farming. Biodynamics is a set of principles that was established in the 1920s by this Austrian philosopher named Rudolf Steiner. And it's all about farming along the moon cycles as they move through the constellations in the sky. Like, yeah, it's some cosmic shit right there. But honestly kind of works. And there's a lot of energy that's tied into that. And there are some special teas that you brew and you do put manure in an ox horn and you bury it in part of the vineyard. And like that shit's all going to electrify your vines and make it better. And I think biodynamic farming really does set it off. You can taste the difference. I am definitely not fully explaining all of the principles of biodynamics, but You're really in a 365 working in the harmony of the earth type shit. And that can never be wrong. It can always be right because isn't that what makes the world go round? Sunrise, sunset, et cetera, et cetera. But look, that's the biggest part of it. And then after the farming, like farming first, every person who's super into natural wine that I know is farming first, farming first, farming first. You gotta have biodiversity in your vineyards, meaning in between the vines, you don't need to strip it like some weird ass bikini wax, you need to grow things that keep pests away and keep invasive plants away and that keep the harmony and keep the soil happy and it's about composting and manure and I know it sounds all hippy, trippy, dippy, but this is stuff we're putting in our body. It's stuff that we are ingesting and drinking and If you go to the farmer's market at all, or if you're trying to eat organic, but then go buy some rogue bottle off the shelf, hopefully this episode is going to let you stop and think. Like if you ever had one glass of wine and woke up the next day with the worst headache ever, and it just hurts, there's a reason for that. And it probably has to do with what is in that bottle that's not on the label. Scared straight moment all over again. I got to say though, not all natural wine is equal. Not all natural wine is good. And the biggest question I get is, how do I know if a wine is a natural wine? And I wish today I could come on here and be like, look, I put infrared on every natural wine bottle out there. You know, you're going to get some glasses. You just put them on. It's like x-ray vision for Natty Wine. It just doesn't exist. The best way to figure it out or to find the producers is you got to find a wine shop that supports this kind of thought. You gotta go to restaurants that have these kinds of program. And I think the biggest misconception that really is what this natural wine 101 2.0 is about, is that natural wine has to be that kombucha sour tasting type wine, that it has to be cloudy, that there needs to be chunks of stuff in it, which it can have and those are totally fine. They're just dead yeast cells and it's not a big deal and it's not gonna make you sick but people think that that is what a quote unquote natural wine or natural wine is all orange wine. I think that's where the consumer has taken on something that has moved into the cultural zeitgeist and created their own definitions for it because A, it's not a definable category and B, it's hard to have access to stuff like this unless you have like a natural wine spirit guide. Let me just tell you, Some of the most traditional seeming wines. And when I say traditional, I don't mean commercial or mass produced. Traditional means it's not going to have like that cute, funky little label with a little kitten in a shark outfit. No. Okay. I don't buy any wine like that, but it's not going to have that, like, oh my God, that label is so good. The wine must be good instinct. These are labels that might intimidate you or might have words that you have no idea what they mean, which are listing regions and vineyards and stuff that for the average consumer, it's really hard to understand. But a lot of these wines, and I'm talking about old world wines from various parts of Italy, from Tuscany to Umbria to Piemonte to France where Burgundy and even in Bordeaux, these wines seem super traditional on the label, but they are actually being made in the very OG way that wine should be made. And honestly, that is natural wine. So, this is the 2.0 is this misconception that natural wine is just these trendy wines that have pop tops and like you can just drink it from a bottle? No, actually. Natty Wine goes so far above and beyond that. And I think that is one of the most important takeaways. Now, the big debate sometimes is does a, Hardcore natural wine have additional sulfur because here's the deal with sulfur, right? You're gonna find sulfur in all wine. It's a byproduct of fermentation. It's a self-preservation thing for wine. So when wine is being fermented, which is the process of yeast jumping into the vat and eating the sugar and then converting to alcohol, that conversion into alcohol is also creating sulfur. It's a stabilizer. It's a preserver, but the problem is if you have a very unstable product to begin with that has volatile levels of sugar and pH is all out of whack, then winemakers use a heavy hand with sulfur, and that I'm not all for. You don't wanna have a wine that has so much additional sulfur because then it's basically something that's being masked because it wasn't a stable product from the beginning. So you're not gonna find natural wines that have that excessive use of sulfur ever. But listen, farmers have hard years and sometimes there's hail or there's heat waves. So in my opinion, you can have a natural wine that has a small addition of sulfur. For me, for a natural wine, it has to be less than like 40 to 60 parts per million. But I think where people trip up is we're getting all stuck in the categories. There's amazing wine that has nothing added and maybe has a little sulfur at bottling added, but there's nothing taken away. There's no freaky wood chips in there. There's no added sugar. The farming is beautiful. Chef's kiss. But maybe it wouldn't be defined by the wine community as a natural wine because of that little addition of sulfur, or maybe because they filtered the wine lightly through a gravity system, which is very low intervention. So I think what you can see I'm hinting at is, there's politics, y'all. There are some little cracks in any sort of Perfect world that from the outside looking in, people might seem like, oh, Helen's, it's like it's all natural wine. And to me, it's all wine that's made really naturally, but like it all goes back to the definition and what side of the street y'all are on. Let me tell you one thing though, welcome to the rest of your life and drinking amazing wine that actually, you know, no, I'm not going to say alcohol is good for you, but. Drinking natural wine is definitely the better choice if you are thinking about your health. There's anti-aging benefits from the resveratrol that's found specifically in red wine, grape skins, and juice. Now, I'm not blowing steam, but it's a fact. And that is also antioxidants, which we know are good for your whole mind, body, and soul as you age. The other great aspect to drinking natural wine, naturally made wine is less sugar, like more transparency of what you have in the bottle. You know, you just have grapes that have been fermented and that's it. You don't have any sort of weird chemicals. There are no chemicals in the vineyard. I think all of that is incredibly important to keep in mind. So in summation, what I'm saying is when you drink that natty wine, you don't really get that hangover. I'm just kidding, but for real. So for natural wine 101 2.0. I just invite everybody, all my listeners out there, anyone new tuning in to just take a toe dip into what wine can be. Broaden your horizons. Don't go for the big brands. If there's mass marketing behind a bottle of wine, if you can literally find the bottle of wine anywhere you go, any store, any liquor store, any shop, that is a bad sign. If the wine tastes exactly the same Year after year, another bad sign. That's basically the wine is being made like a McDonald's chicken nugget. It always tastes the same. There is no variation. It's a science. Like, here's what's going to be the hardest part. You got to get your palate in a different kind of zone. And I promise you, if you are just tasting natural wine, and it all kind of tastes like a weird beer or a kombucha. Y'all hit me up on email because that's not what it's supposed to be about. Shop talk. If you want to get into natural wine, how do you do it? You got to find a wine shop you know and trust. You could also go to helenswines.com. We ship nationwide. Just saying. And I got one hot tip for entertaining to leave you with. It's one of my cocktail corner recipes. This week, it's all about that apple cider spritz, y'all. That's right. Lean into fall. This is a full lean in. Okay, so... Here is what you are gonna need. You're gonna need a really good bourbon. You're gonna need lemon juice. You're gonna need to make some ginger syrup. You're gonna need Martinelli's or a non alcoholic apple sparkling cider and a little sparkling water club soda. And I'm gonna tell you how to do it right now. First, take your glass, two ounces of bourbon. Also, you could shake all of this. I just like to build stuff in a glass because it seems like that's how most people make cocktails. So, empty rocks glass, two ounces of bourbon, 0.75 ounces of freshly squeezed lemon juice. You're gonna do 0.5 to 0.75 ginger syrup. Here is how you make ginger syrup really quickly. To make one cup of ginger syrup, you wanna take a nice sized piece of ginger. Think the size of a harmonica. You wanna take the peel off, all the skin, take the skin off, cut it into nice thin slices half a cup of water on the stove, put your ginger slices in there, put half a cup of sugar, and let that stuff simmer slowly together until it tastes super gingery. Do not put it on high, I'm really talking about a simmer. So there you go, you got your ginger syrup, you wanna strain the ginger pieces away from your syrup so that you just have a syrup with no pieces in it. You're gonna put 0.5 of that ginger to 0.75 into your rocks glass. Then stir it around with your little chopstick, add ice, splash about an ounce to two ounces of Martinelli sparkling apple cider on top, tiny bit of club soda, and then the garnish is kind of choose your own adventure. But you could do like a really beautiful lemon wheel. You could do a cute little clove. You could do an apple chip. I don't know, it kind of depends what you're feeling. You could do a cinnamon stick, or you could do a candied piece of ginger if you want to get all fancy, but that was cocktail corner apple cider spritz a dish, super delish, super fall. But listen, if you listen to this episode and you're like, I need to get in my car, grab a bottle of natural wine, but then kind of feel a little bit stuck. Let me just break down a few sort of roadmap guidelines I would recommend you use if you don't live in Los Angeles and can't just drive over to a Helen's Wines because we got you. One, You need to find someone who works there who is gonna really talk to you and listen to you. If you don't feel like you're having good communication with a shopkeeper or shop owner or a steward, a wine steward who's working in a grocery setting, that probably is not the right place to buy the wine. It's totally okay to say, I'm interested in buying wine that's organically farmed. I would love it to be a natural wine. I'm looking for wines that are incredibly low intervention, meaning they don't have any addition, and they have a minimal to no added sulfur policy. Things I would avoid is walking into a place that has organic marketed very largely on their wine displays. It doesn't mean that it's not organic, but it means that it's organic in farming, and it doesn't necessarily mean that post the farming phase, everything was done to what I think is an acceptable standard. There's still things that could be added to it. There's manipulation that could happen to the wine before it gets in a bottle. Now, most likely if you go into a wine shop, there is someone who is gonna be able to help you. But if you go to a restaurant, It's much less clear, there aren't labels, you can't see the actual bottles, all you are is looking at a wine list and you are at the mercy of the staff that's working there that night. And so maybe you're going into a restaurant, you don't really know what to do. Here are some tips I would give. I wish there was a magic wand, and I could tell you this grape varietal or this region is always a natural wine. There are some that do produce more natural wines or more organic wines, and I can list a few of those. Places like Beaujolais, there's parts of southwestern France, a lot of Spain, mostly Catalonia, Mendocino in California, but there are exceptions to these rules. They are not the rule, so... I would steer away from me telling you like, hey, this wine always. But you just need to level with your SOM or your server and let them know what you're looking for and do they have any recommendations. And it might be that they don't buy any wine that adheres to this sort of thought process at all. There are two wines that if you see them on a list, they are most likely going to be a natural wine though. Those are Pet Nats, Petit Naturel, which is a style of sparkling wine, which the way the wine is made sparkling is low intervention to no intervention in and of itself. And orange wine, skin, contact, white wine. So those two categories, I can't tell you if the wine's actually gonna be good because I don't know who made it, but those would be like your shoe-ins, faux show. Anyway, It's a big, vast, wide open space. And together we're going to make it a little bit smaller each time. Hopefully that's what these deep dives are about. I'm Helen from Helen's Wines. And this was Natural Wine 101, but the 2.0 a dish. Lots more juicy, hot button wine issues we're going to be getting into. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Bye.